happiest I'll ever be. Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, we are privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are working our way through divine service setting one, and our ultimate goal is for people to be at home in their hymnal at home in their hymnal when they come to the divine service, at home in their hymnal for their personal and family devotions. We have, in previous episodes, worked our way through the confession and absolution, the preparatory rite, the service of the word. Uh, We've talked at great length about Lutheran preaching. We've talked about the offertory, Christian stewardship, Last episode, episode 26, we began talking about the communion liturgy in Divine Service Setting 1, and we spent our entire episode, episode 26, on the preface, the giving thanks for the word that we have received so far in the service, giving thanks in anticipation for the holy meal that we are about to receive, and now we are to the part in the service that is called the proper preface. And uh, on page 161 in Lutheran service book at the top of the page, it says, it is truly good, right, and salutary, dot, 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 evermore praising you and saying. Well, what we want to talk about in our episode today is that dot, 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 Uh, the things that are not in your hymnal, but the pastor from the altar book speaks or chance. Uh, this is called the proper preface, and uh, this goes seasonally with our um, divine service. It is not the same every time you come in, and we want to talk about the uh, why and what for of that. In uh, Pastor Fram's uh, wonderful book, The Divine Service, its history and theology, on page 76, he writes, the proper preface is a seasonal prayer of thanksgiving that flows from the preface into the sanctus. And the sanctus is the holy, holy, holy part. The roots of offering thanksgiving before God's meal go back to the customs of the Passover. The altar book provides various seasonal versions of the proper preface that accent the particular themes of each festival and season. You heard that as our bumper music coming in, the general preface, the one that's prayed during the common seasons of the year. And uh, let me just share those words with you. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, and then the congregation sings the Sanctus. Holy, holy, holy. Okay, so Pastor, what I want to do right off the bat is I want to talk about the particular words in this general preface 
that's prayed um, in the non-seasonal part of the year. <laughs> Your initial thoughts. Well, um, this this initial one I think kind of gives us the outline of what the general structure of a proper preface is. And maybe we should mention, too, it's the proper preface because it is a proper of the day. The word proper means the parts of the service that are assigned to a specific Sunday of the church year. Thus, it is the proper preface. Because like, the, it, like the readings that are, change. Are the propers, yep. Okay. And the collect and the gradual, things like that. Those things change each week uh, or at least seasonally in this case, uh, and that's why they're proper. This is compared to the ordinaries, which are the things that are the same each week. And so the, the preface we talked about last week, the Lord be with you and all's with you. Lift up your hearts. They are lifted to the Lord. Uh, that, that preface is the ordinary preface, if you will, uh, because it's the same each week. So the proper preface changes, and we see there the different parts of it. Uh, it's truly good, right, and salutary that we should all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. That part is kind of the introduction for almost all of the uh, proper prefaces, and it is giving thanks uh, to God for who he is and what he is doing, uh, both in the Lord's Supper and also emphasizing what he uh, does on that particular day of the church year that we're celebrating or recognizing as well. And so uh, after that introduction, we have that detail about what is it that we're celebrating. Uh, and so in the common one, we talk about Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven and given us eternal life. In the Christmas one, we talk about how uh, Jesus has come down and been born of the Virgin Mary, has become the Word made flesh who dwells among us. In Advent ones, we talk about uh, John the Baptist is preparing the way for the Jesus and all these things. So that middle section talks about the specifics of that particular season of the church year in what or, God is or, doing. Or that particular day. Or that particular day, okay. right? depending on which, which one we're talking about. Okay. So in, uh, in this common one that we're looking at right now, it is truly good or meat, and uh, meat is an ancient word that means good. And so depending on if it's Divine Service 1 or Divine Service 3, you might get good or meat, but it's the same word. It is truly good, right, and salutary. What's that word salutary mean? We, we hear that three or four times in the uh, Divine Service, and... You know, sometimes we uh, we just assume everybody knows what these words mean. It always makes me think of, um, this is probably not right, but <laughs> <laughs> makes me think of, uh, I think it was Prince Amukamara, uh, whenever uh, his picture went on the uh, Jumbotron at Husker football games, he would always say, Salutations, Husker Nation, which was a fancy way of saying hello uh, in, a, in a positive way. And so it's good, right, meat, uh, good, meat, right, and salutary. Uh, in other words, it's a, a positive way of saying uh, we're coming into your contact and we're, we're interacting with you and we're in your presence and all these sorts of things. Uh, it also, uh, if I remember right, in the children's book, Charlotte's Web, uh, doesn't Charlotte usually greet people? Uh, or maybe it's the pig. I don't know. Somebody, so, somebody greets people with that word salutation. I believe it is uh, Charlotte. Yes. I, you know, I, I, you know I, it's stretching here. I didn't think of that until just now. Yep. But, uh, and that word, it's a greeting, but it's a greeting that implies uh, good health, uh, good life, 
and and there there is a uh, there's a beneficial part of that uh, that is often unthought of. And that I you know if we go to the definition uh, like at dictionary.com, that's what it says. It is uh, producing good effects or beneficial that um, when there has been stuff that's not good. And now there's something bringing about goodness in its presence or because it's here now. That's salutary, salutations. That's the way it is. I like to think of it as uh, health-giving, life-giving, and I think that fits in very yes. well what we're talking about here. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. God's Word clearly teaches that, right? That yeah. we should uh, be filled with prayer and praise on a regular basis, uh, good times and in bad. And we talked last time about the word Eucharist uh, for the Lord's Supper, or maybe that was the time before, and that word meaning give thanks, and that's what we're doing here again. We're giving thanks to God, reflecting the same things that Jesus did on the night when he's betrayed, when he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, and we're doing the same thing again. And we are giving thanks not generally, not generically, but we are giving thanks specifically to you, and then rather than just assuming everybody knows who you is in this uh, common proper preface, we say to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Everlasting God. So we have a threefold name or description of God. Your thoughts on Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Everlasting God. Well, um, I think these are reflecting things that are said in the Scripture about giving a definition for who God is so that there's no confusion in these words. We're talking about the God of the Bible, the one uh, that appeared to Moses in the burning bush, uh, the one who led the people of Israel out of uh, Egypt through the water of the Red Sea, the one who came to David uh, and Solomon, the one who... Uh, was it Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's the God we're talking about. And these are the words that are used for him throughout the pages of the Old Testament and in the Scripture. So we're very clear that this is not a fake God like Muhammad or uh, the God of the Mormons or uh, you know any of those other fake gods that exist. Or should I say they exist or they people think they exist out there in the world. Uh, we're talking specifically about the real God, the God of Scripture. And uh, following, following that thought, uh, it gets even more clear because I believe the, uh, the Muslims and other world religions could possibly call their God, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Everlasting God. And so the proper preface gets even more specific because we are praying to Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are not taking anything for granted here. Uh, Jesus says that the only way you have access to the Father is through him. His word is clear. And so we are, we are offering up this proper preface to the one true God who has given us uh, the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ. And I, I don't think we can I don't think we can emphasize that enough that our prayers, our praises, our thanksgiving, everything we do in the worship service is 
predicated on the fact that the one true God is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the only access that sinful human beings have to a holy God is through Jesus Christ. Right, and this reflects, for example, uh, John's Gospel where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is why the Holy Spirit points us not to himself but instead to Jesus. This is why we pray uh, to Jesus. And we also have First Timothy chapter 2, which says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. We also have it in the book of Hebrews, uh, where it talks about uh, there is a mediator of a new covenant who is Jesus. Uh, and this is uh, Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 20, or sorry, Hebrews 12. Uh, and he mediates the covenant between God and men by sprinkling blood. And this is the guy then that we are going to talk to the whole Holy God, Almighty Father, uh, through is Jesus, that mediator, the one who stands between God and men. And we need to get even more specific, and uh, by the grace of God, we do. So we are offering this proper preface to the one true God, who is Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, who has given us his Son, Jesus Christ. And then we talk about the the absolute heart, core, and soul of our faith, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. This is not some generic Jesus. This is not a new lawgiver Jesus. This is not simply a moral example Jesus. This is a crucified and resurrected Jesus. Jesus. This proper preface is designed to be prayed on Sunday. Christians worship on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, who on this day overcame death and the grave. He overcame death and the grave and opened to us for you the way of everlasting life. Man, that segment went by very, very quickly, Pastor. We uh, we have a little more meat on that bone. We'll borrow a coolism here, coolmanism. Uh, when we come back from our break, we'll continue our look at the proper preface. This is at home in your hymnal. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're working our way through Divine Service Setting 1. What you heard on the uh, intro coming into this particular segment was a portion of the proper preface. That's what we're looking at today, the proper preface. This is episode 27, and we're dedicating our entire episode to the theology, what we do, and why we do the proper preface in the worship service. We talked in general about the proper preface in our uh, previous segment. We uh, started and got about halfway through the the common or the proper preface that is prayed on the common Sundays, the Sundays after Trinity and non-festival Sundays. 
It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. You know, we, we picked through those individual parts there, Pastor, and uh, just a little bit more, uh, your comments and thoughts on the progression of giving thanks, giving thanks to God, giving thanks to a specific God, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, Everlasting God, giving thanks to a specific God through a specific Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, giving thanks to God, a specific God, through our specific Savior, whose name Jesus, who is our Savior and our Lord, who on this particular day, on this Sunday, on a Sunday just like this one, rose from the dead, overcame death and the grave, and not only that, but giving thanks to God, a specific God, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. The progression of that, I think it's marvelously constructed, by the way, but the progression of that at this particular time in the service. Well, yeah, and it again, like I said before, it reflects the theology of Jesus in this when Jesus says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And why through him? Because he's the one who overcame death in the grave, and so our eternal life is only through him. And I think it's worth pointing out, too, the reality that um, heaven is the place where God is. In fact, the definition of heaven is being where God is. It's not like some place up in the sky. And what we're about to see here, too, is that in Jesus uh, and in this gift of the Lord's Supper, heaven is about to come down to earth, and we're going to be a part of heaven, at least for a few moments, uh, here on earth as we participate in the Lord's Supper. And this is all setting the uh, foundation for our understanding of that uh, with what we're saying and doing. Could we say we're setting the table theologically uh, for the meal that we're about to receive at the table? Yeah, I think I think you can say that. And um, um, theologically, it's just really beautiful the way that it's accomplished. The, uh, the next part of the proper preface is one that, you know, I think I've taken for granted way, way, way too much during my life. And the older that I get, the, uh, the longer that I'm a pastor, and uh, you have to say goodbye uh, to many family and friends who have died in the faith. I think this last part of the proper preface has, uh, has become more and more of a friend for me on a regular basis, and it is based on Revelation 7, verses 9 to 17. And I'm just going to give you that little heads up, Pastor, because I want you to read those words in just a moment. Revelation 7, 9 to 17. The last line of the proper preface says, Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, and then we sing the song of heaven, holy, 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 uh, recorded for us in um, Revelation 5, in Isaiah 6, and a couple of other places in Scripture as well. Um, 
It's based on Revelation 7, 9 to 17. Pastor, you want to share those words, yeah. please? And, and while before we read, you know, where's the place where you read these words most often in your uh, job as a pastor? Funeral. Funeral. All at Saints the, Day. At the bedside of somebody who's soon to uh, leave this world. Uh, and they're great words of comfort that uh, we have in the face of death. Some of my very favorite words from Scripture. Excellent point. Thank you. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every tribe and nation and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Did you want to go further? Uh, through 17. Through 17, yep. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Marvelous words from Holy Scripture. That was Revelation 7, 9 to 17. The uh, last line of our proper preface is based on these words. It really doesn't surprise us when we think about heaven to talk about angels and archangels. We we probably don't talk about angels enough in the church year. Um, the fact that angels are around us and we don't even realize it. Uh, we've become such a uh, sanitized world now that uh, we don't like to we don't like to think about angels or any kind of a spiritual realm. And if we do, we detach them uh, from the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But uh, angels are ministering servants that God sends to serve us and protect us and to worship him. They always have their face on the Father, Matthew 18. So the angels and archangels, you know, this, th th there's something big going on in heaven while we're doing our celebration here on earth. It's the next part that, that really gets me when I think about it. And with all the company of heaven. Pastor, who is this, all the company of heaven? Well, uh, you know, the nice thing about this particular passage in Scripture is that St. John has already told us this as well. In fact, this, this is the definition of what has come before, is the thing we just read. And uh, John looks and he sees um, a great crowd from all tribes of the sons of Israel, 144,000 is the number he gives, which is actually... It's not just literally 144,000 like our Jehovah Witness uh, friends say, but instead it is uh, all the people from all time and all places that have believed in the promise of God that there'll be a Savior for sin. 
And so verse 9, uh, it says, A multitude that no one could number from every nation, tribe, people, and language. In fact, every single person who ever has lived or will live that believes in Jesus, St. John sees. And here, I think, is the great promise and the great blessing with this. St. John sees me. St. John sees you. St. John sees your mom and your dad. St. John sees your great, 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 great-grandfather. St. John sees uh, St. Peter and St. Paul. St. John sees uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, St. John even sees, you know, the people that are less well-known from the scriptures and that time, people whose names have been forgotten for thousands of years, yet believed that promise. St. John sees all those people who have faith in Jesus, and they are there in heaven, safe and sound, in the peace and joy and comfort that God gives with the tears of this world wiped from their eyes, the suffering of this world taken away, the hunger, the, the sun beating down upon them as they toiled in their labor. No more. It's all forgotten because now they're in Christ's care forever and ever in God's holy kingdom. Now, as a part of our pastoral practice, when we're dealing with grieving folks, people who who are grieving the loss of a loved one, grieve, grieving the loss of a spouse or a parent or a child, a uh, sibling, a close friend. Um, in the funeral liturgy, we talk about, uh, you know, a, a glorious family reunion. Are we saying here, Pastor, that when we go to heaven, uh, we will actually see and be with our loved ones who have died in the faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the crazy thing, right? Th- this is not some pipe dream. This is not some pious manipulation to try to make people feel good. This is what God's Word clearly teaches, right? Exactly. And, and we read it here. We can read it in other places, like the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. We can uh, talk about it uh, from several other places as well. For example, St. Paul talks about it in several of his epistles, the reality that uh, we are going to someplace else, and it will be really, really good when we get there. Uh, St. Paul even says, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that will be far better than this world of suffering and sorrow. And so that is the truth. It is absolute and certain. And maybe the question is, why are we talking about this right now with the Lord's Supper, right? What difference does this make? And that's the beauty of it is uh, when we are coming to the Lord's Supper, we're right there with the angels and the archangels and all that company of heaven that we just read about from Revelation chapter 7. And we're even gathered around the Lamb and his throne, uh, at least uh, metaphorically speaking, his throne. Uh, But when we have the Lord's Supper, the very body and blood of the resurrected Jesus Christ is truly, really present in the Lord's Supper. Um, in that Lord's Supper is the Christ whom the angels fall on their face before, whom the whole company uh, of heaven says, holy, holy, holy for. We're really coming to heaven. And I mean, I can't emphasize this enough. This is really, truly what's happening in the Lord's Supper, which is why we ought to treat it so reverently and carefully uh, as we deal with heaven here on earth, because for sinners like us, being in God's presence can be a little bit dangerous. So if you want to be close to your family, your friends, your spouse that have died in the faith, uh, 
Don't go to the graveyard. Don't go to the gypsy or the uh, fortune teller. Go to the Lord's Supper. It's a divine mystery how heaven and earth intersect at this particular time. We're not talking about people having out-of-body experiences and floating off to heaven. This is a divine mystery made possible by the power of the Word of God. But when we say that the Lord's Supper is a foretaste of the heavenly feast to come, this is exactly what we're talking about. And this is as close as we will get to our family and friends who have died in the faith until we see them face-to-face in the mansions of heaven. Yeah, and it's we got to make sure, emphasize that point you just said, we're not going up to heaven. Heaven's coming down to us. Uh, the, the Calvinists see it just a little bit differently than that. Uh, and it's not our ascent. Rather, the beauty of it is God is always coming down to us to rescue us, to care for us, to provide for us, to take us to be with him. It's never the other way around. Like the old hymn, God himself is present. Let us now adore him. We need to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We're looking at the proper preface in the divine service. When we come back, we're going to start looking at some of the specific seasonal proper prefaces in the church here. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. This week's church service is more than hymns and a sermon. Get a more in-depth study of this week's message with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline on Proclaiming the One. Tune in Sundays at 12 p.m., Wednesdays at 11 a.m., Fridays at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m., and Saturdays at 10 a.m. For past episodes on demand, go to thecross957.org backslash Proclaiming the One. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're working our way through Divine Service Setting 1, helping you to be at home in your hymnal in the Divine Service. We're looking at the proper preface. We heard the entire common proper preface in our intro coming in here in our previous segments on this uh, episode 27. We've uh, worked our way through the individual words, and uh, a little bit later on in uh, this segment and in the next segment, we want to look at some of the seasonal 
proper prefaces. We're not going to be able to go through in depth uh, with all of them the way that we did with this first one. Otherwise, we'd have seven or eight or nine episodes. But just to give you a little bit of a flavor, the pattern and the flow and what you should be listening for at this particular point of the service. It is absolutely dripping with wonderful, marvelous theology, uh, grace, justification, forgiveness, and uh, it's a very, very significant part of the service. Before we uh, hear our next proper preface, I want to uh, share a few more words from Pastor Fram in his uh, uh, wonderful little study guide, The Divine Service, Its History and Theology. I'm reading from page 76. As the Lord gave thanks before the meals he celebrated, and in the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000, plus, and as the Lord gave thanks in instituting the sacrament of the altar, so... We give thanks in preparation for administering the Lord's body and blood. In so doing, the proper preface also recognizes the time so as to confess that it is always right, meet, fitting, or proper, and right to give thanks to the Lord. As we noted in the section on the Lutheran Reformation and the reforms on the Mass, here is one of the places where we see a trimming back of undue growth of the liturgy, toward not only the sacrificial, but also the works righteous. The Roman Mass here saw the growth of the canon of the Mass, called the Eucharistic Prayer in modern times. This prayer also included the words of institution and turned their direction around from being a gift of blessing over the bread and wine and to the congregation into an offering of the priest and people of God. Pastor, your thoughts on uh, that very, very significant liturgical move that was made during the time of the Reformation? Well, I think it's a, the right move for us to turn that around and go back. And I think the words of the preface, the proper preface, really emphasize that. The only reason that we get to participate with heaven and archangels and uh, all that business is because we're doing it through Jesus Christ, who has come down to earth to suffer, bleed, and die for us and is still now present uh, in the divine service, in his word, and in the Lord's Supper. And only because he uh, deigns to come down to us can we actually be in his presence? And so we are completely dependent on him, and that's an important factor in our, our understanding of the Lord's Supper. A few more words from Fram. Here we must maintain the clear distinction between law and gospel, especially in the context of our liturgy. The confession of justification by grace through faith or the distinction between God's law and gospel in the liturgical context becomes critical at this juncture in the order of the divine service, because the nature of the Lord's Supper is in play. Is the Lord's Supper something we do for God, or is it his gift to us, something God is doing? Because of these concerns, the historic tradition of the Lutheran Church would, let, would leave them separate and examine the context of the prayer carefully so that it does not refer to the Lord's Supper as our sacrifice to God to pay for our sins. This is a point in liturgical practice where traditionally Lutherans will differ from other liturgical churches or denominations like the Roman Catholic, Anglican, Episcopal, or Eastern Orthodox. The gospel is held most clearly where the words of our Lord do not uh, are not placed into a prayer of thanksgiving, 
but are kept distinct. The words of institution, consecration, are Jesus' words to us and blessing of the bread and wine, not our words to the Father. Pastor, uh, your comments on that critical nature and how this particular part of the service really separates Bible-believing confessional Lutherans from all other liturgical Christians. And, and really from all people, I, I think, I mean, Pastor Fromm has done a great job there. Maybe what we need to think about is uh, in Peeper's Christian Dogmatics, where it says there's really only two religions that exist in the world, the religion of grace and the religion of works. And uh, the true religion is the religion of grace, where God saves us apart from any works or merit in ourselves. And yet every other religion teaches you have to do something for God, and that can come in a million different ways, and we always want it to be that way because everything else that operates in this world is based on works. You know, how do you have a job? Well, I show up. How do you have a house? Well, I show up to work and they give me money. How do I get food? I go to work. Everything else, we do something to get something. And the only place where that doesn't happen is with God, the religion of grace. And so our sinful natures want there to be something we need to do, and that always creeps in in a variety of forms, and we can't let it. We need to protect and guard what the truth is, um, and, and that's what we're doing. Very well said. Very well said. Now, each of these uh, proper prefaces that we're going to listen to, these seasonal ones, they're all, they're all a little bit different length, but they're all between a minute and a minute and a half. And so, again, like I said, we're not going to have an opportunity to listen to every option of every uh proper preface. We're not going to have opportunity to theologically dissect every one of them and share with you the rich theology theology that is there. It's kind of your homework, I guess, as you go to church. Listen carefully to this particular part of the service. Listen to what is said. Listen to what is not being said. Listen to how it ties in to the seasonal part of the church here. The first one of the proper prefaces that we want to listen to is, uh, I think appropriately, the proper preface for Advent. Our church year begins generally on our regular calendar about the 1st of December or so. And uh, the church year gives us a a beautiful example of uh, what we're talking about here. And we begin with the beginning, Advent. So now listen to the proper preface for Advent. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared, proclaiming him the Messiah, the very Lamb of God, and calling sinners to repentance, that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. Pastor, we uh, we have a beautiful 
beautiful uh, rendition, I guess you can say it that way. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure where uh, it's on YouTube. Hope Lutheran Church, West Jordan, Utah. I don't know. Do you know the name of that pastor? Uh, no, I do not. I just found it on you. Uh, you found it on YouTube for us. So uh, thanks be to God for that. Uh, just a, a few words now on that proper preface for Advent. How are the themes of the Advent season wrapped up in that proper preface that will be pray, play, prayed those four Sundays in the season of Advent? Well, the season of Advent is preparatory for the coming of Christ in the Incarnation, and so it does have John the Baptist as a major theme in the readings for the season of Advent, where he points people to uh, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. Um, and uh, we have that quoted for us here, John the Baptist Proclaim that very thing is what we are saying in the proper preface. Uh, and then we also have this idea that because Christ is coming, we should repent of our sins uh, so that we can receive the grace and mercy that he gives. And that's also then what we do. We call sinners to repentance that they might escape the wrath to be revealed when Jesus comes again in glory. And that brings us to the last theme of Advent, which is Christ is coming again. It's not just a past uh, time that he came. He's coming again on the last day to judge both the living and the dead uh, and to take us out of this world and into the world yet to come. And so we have that as a theme as well. So the whole season of Advent gets put together into one uh, sentence almost uh, in the middle of this proper preface so we can be properly focused on what's important in that season of the church year. So in that proper preface, we have John the Baptist, we have a call to repentance because uh, Advent is properly understood a penitential season and a preparatory season, uh, helping us to get ready for the celebration of the Nativity, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And something that often gets lost during the season of Advent is this uh, end-of-the-world uh, eschatology theology. Uh, don't get too closely attached to the things of this world because heaven and earth as we know it will pass away, uh, but the Word of God, uh, the forgiveness, life, and salvation that we have in Jesus will never pass away. And so we have uh, we have all of those themes wrapped up in one and uh, it's a it's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it that uh, in one sentence, two sentences, three sentences, how, however that uh, that preface that proper preface for advent goes, we have the entire season wrapped up. And so if you come to to church on a particular Sunday where the readings, the the propers are talking about the, the life and the ministry of John the Baptist, that's included in the proper preface. If the general focus of the day is repentance, that's included in the proper preface. If the uh, focus, and especially the uh, first two Sundays, I believe, in Advent, uh, very, very heavy focus on end-of-the-world kind of things, judgment day is coming right soon, uh, that is there as well. So... Um, Listen for this, I guess listen for this when we get to the new church year, but listen for this in the proper prefaces themselves because they will further enhance everything that's going on in the worship service, the divine service, and you will be a little bit more at home in the service, at home in your hymnal. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to listen to several more proper prefaces. Don't change that dial. This is At Home in Your Hymnal.
You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We are privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are a confessional Lutheran liturgical congregation. We use the hymnal exclusively for our worship services. We'd love to have you come and join us for divine service on Sunday morning, 8 and 1030. Uh, Sunday school for all ages in between, of course. And then uh, we gather every Wednesday evening for uh, worship at 6.30. Sometimes we have the divine service. Sometimes one of our seasonal or prayer offices of the church. Uh, Come join us, 3825 Wildbriar Lane in South Lincoln. You can listen live to any of our worship services on 95.7 The Cross uh, here, KNNALP, here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Or check us out on the website if you're outside of our listening area, www.thecross957.org. We'd love to have your feedback, and uh, especially on this particular program, At Home in Your Hymnal, where we are helping, we believe, to teach a, uh, an understanding and a beauty of the Lutheran liturgy, helping you to be at home in your hymnal, not only in uh, your private and individual devotions, but to help you, help you be at home in your hymnal in the Sunday morning worship service. In uh, this particular episode, episode 27, we're looking at the uh, proper preface, that bridge between the preface and the celebration of the Lord's Supper. It is a proper preface because it is specific to the day or the season in the church here. At the end of segment three, we listened to and spoke about the proper preface for the season of Advent, uh, the themes of repentance, John the Baptist, the end of the world, those, those Advent themes that come through in our readings. And now we want to uh, flow and have uh, see the contrast between that particular proper preface and the proper preface for the season of Easter. And so what, uh, no, I'm sorry, the proper preface for the season of Christmas. Thank you, Pastor uh, Pastor Moline was going epoplectic when I said that. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna hear now the proper preface for Christmas. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, for in the mystery of the Word made flesh, you have given us a new revelation of your glory, that seeing you in the person of your Son, we may be drawn to the love of those things which are not seen. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, 
evermore praising you and saying. Okay, Pastor, there you have it, the proper preface for the season of Christmas. Uh, your initial thoughts about the themes that come through in that particular proper preface and contrasting them with what we just heard in the preparatory season of Advent. Yeah, you see in Advent our focus is on Jesus coming, uh, both in the um, John the Baptist pointing out who Christ is, uh, in the coming and preparation for when he's going to be here at Christmas, and also his second coming at the end of the world. And that shifts now to the season of Christmas, where now he has come and we acknowledge what has actually taken place. Uh, so we quote uh, John chapter 1, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and then we also confess the truth that uh, in the season of Christmas and in the person of Jesus, we have a revelation for who God is. In fact, the clearest place where we see who God is is in the person and work of Jesus. And so when we see God there, it allows us then to believe in who God is beyond that, uh, what is confessed uh, and revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. <clears throat> And so, again, the entire season of Christmas is wrapped up in the words for this one proper preface. And uh, one thing that stuck out in me in this particular preface, since God has revealed to us the uh, gift of his son Jesus in the flesh, we should have a proper appreciation for everything that God tells us that as of now is unseen, but at the proper time will be seen. I think that is uh, an amazing thing as well. We, uh, we want to take a look now at the proper preface for Lent, another preparatory season getting us ready for Easter, the proper preface for Lent. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life, and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. Okay, there you have it, the proper preface for Lent. Uh, some initial thoughts on that uh, proper preface, Pastor. Well, again, uh, like the other ones that we've heard, it focuses our attention on what the purpose of Lent is, and that's repentance for sin and preparation for the coming of Jesus at the Paschal Feast, uh, or in other words, the... Uh, uh, the the time of Good Friday when uh, the the uh, lamb was supposed to be slaughtered for the forgiveness of sins is a reminder of the people of Israel leaving uh, bondage in Egypt and all these themes getting caught up together uh, into one uh, for the season of Lent. And that uh, proper preface helps our minds understand what's happening in that season of Lent in that regard. Okay, so we are preparing our hearts, uh, rending our hearts, I guess, in uh, repentance and reflection preparation for the celebration of the slaughter of the lamb and one word that kind of jumped out off the page at me was peace 
peace. We hear that word peace a lot in uh, church, and peace is synonymous with the forgiveness of sins. We do not repent uh, only to repent. We do not confess only to confess, but we confess with the purpose so that God can cleanse our hearts and forgive our sins. And I think that is a, a significant part of our Lenten journey and our Lenten preparation. Uh, uh, coming up next, we want to hear the proper preface for Easter and its season. For Easter and its season. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, but chiefly are we bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For he is the very Paschal Lamb, which was offered for us, and has taken away the sins of the world. By his death he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. That uh, proper preface is the longest proper preface in the book, and uh, it is it is magnificent in that it seems like all of Christian theology is wrapped up in that particular proper preface. Pastor, your thoughts? Yeah, we talk about Jesus being the very Paschal Lamb who sacrificed, uh, was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. We talk about how he died and rose and how he destroyed death and grants to us eternal life. We talk about the witnesses who actually saw Jesus rise from the dead, Peter, John, Mary Magdalene, and all the witnesses of the resurrection, which is the foundation on what our faith is based upon. People actually saw Jesus rose from the dead. And so all these things are brought together so that we have a right understanding of what Easter is just in these few sentences in the midst of this proper preface. And at the very beginning where it says, chiefly are we bound to give you thanks for the resurrection of Jesus. This is the heart, the core, the center, and the soul of the Christian faith, lest we forget. If Christ I, had not been raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. And we are still in our sins. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. I think we can squeeze one more in in this segment, and I want to go to the proper preface for Trinity, one of my favorites. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, who with your only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord, in the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity and substance of majesty co-equal. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, 
We laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. Pastor, you know that that is one of my uh, favorite proper prefaces and that I occasionally will use that during the random Sundays in the season after Trinity just to extol the mystery of the Trinity and how this is uh, a teaching that is sorely lacking in our church. Uh, this is confusing language. We're talking about people co-equal and, and majesty and all this kind of stuff. What is being taught in this proper preface? Well, essentially, it's taking the Athanasian Creed and putting it into just a few sentences so that we can uh, have that reminder again that we worship one God and Trinity and Trinity and unity, neither confusing uh, the persons nor dividing the substance. And uh, all that being said is simply and succinctly as possible uh, to focus our attention during the proper preface. Yeah, sorry about that little glitch there. Um, and uh, the mysteries of the faith cannot be taught or reinforced too much and i think we've given the folks a flavor here we haven't gone through all of the proper prefaces we just don't have the time to do that but i think we've given people a flavor here for the rhythm and flow of the proper preface the significance of the proper preface right before the uh, words of institution how this is a distinctively Lutheran spot in the liturgy where we can teach the uh, justification by grace through faith on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that the people have a new appreciation for this particular part of the service. Final thoughts, Pastor? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that probably normally people just... Uh don't pay any attention to or don't think about, and yet there's so much rich theology that's carried in the proper preface. Hopefully this helps people to think about how every single little detail that we do in the divine service is there to point us to Jesus and the unique Christian theology that we believe, teach, and confess. This has been or, uh, At Home in Your Hymnal with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline, and we've looked at the proper preface in episode 27. God's richest blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord.